You may be seated. <clears throat> Thank you, Ben. Sweet. We were down in Miami when uh, Jonathan was playing a song. We was helping him move. It was early May sometime uh, ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, that'll make a great song, um, great message. <clears throat> and text Rod and said, hey, can you learn this song? He said, we've done it and played it. And I'm thinking, oh goodness. Um, sometimes you don't hear things. I guess until you're in certain situations like reading the Word of God. You can read it over and over and over and all of a sudden you find something new. You, well, you're in a different situation. So that's what's happened today. This new wine. It's sort of the idea is anybody that's in education, has anything to do with children, will tell you um, as the father is to the home. I mean, the fatherless situation in our nation has destroyed our home. Amen? Yeah. Just has totally destroyed it. But sometimes I think us as Christians don't understand the importance of the church. Because it's the same thing with the church as the church is to America. There's, there's no good anywhere except in the people of God. Now listen, because you invited God into your life, there's good in you. So it is an absolute must that we do what God has called us to do. I think church is just something we check off. You know, kids got soccer, got ball, cheerleading, church, groceries, fix the car. And, but it's, it's, we need, uh, Pastor Jason's been talking a lot about the Reformation and things like that, and, and we need another one. Yeah. We absolutely do need another Reformation. Uh, and Reformation definition is the action or process of reforming an institution, the church. Now, when I say the church, what am I talking about? Or should I say, who am I talking about? You, yes, us, people, those who are called out. Now, tons of people go to what we call church. But there isn't tons of people who have actually been touched by the hand of God and become born again. They are the called out ones. That's a whole different ball game. Okay? So this bunch going to church is going to have no clue what I'm saying. But New Hope better not be in that group. It cannot be in that group. So my message today is concerning the Church of America, which needs an absolute reformation. It's a whole new reforming. And that simply means we've got to get back to the Word of Almighty God. I mean, there's no choice. Do you understand? You have been chosen by God. You just haven't said, you know, you want to go to this church. That's how we look at things. But you have been handpicked by Almighty So you've got to understand that. So our opening text will prove it to you. 1 Peter 2.9 You're not just here because you're here. In fact, because it's Memorial Day weekend, I was already telling God, oh, for heaven's sakes, half of them won't be here because we go out and play. That's what we do. But then the Lord reminded me, those who I sent need to hear the word of Almighty God. And so here you are, I'm looking at you. And so it says this in 1 Peter 2.9. Now listen, you are a chosen generation. Now if you want to look at that word chosen, it means picked out by God. In other words, God's going like this. Look at me. Uh, you. And you. I want you. And then you over there. Handpicked by God. <coughs> you, 
I want you to understand the importance of that. You're just not sitting here in church. Handpicked, chosen. If you love God, and you're going, Lord, make me that vessel, then you are handpicked, chosen. God says, I want you. All right, so you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, which means his own. You belong to him. You belong to Almighty. No, world, get your hands off the world. Put hugging the world. You belong to God. Just like my Ruthie, she belongs to me. You can sort of give her a Christian hug, but I'll show you a hug. Because she's mine. She belongs to me. She's not yours. That's what the Lord thinks of you and I. So a peculiar people. Now listen, here's why. He laid all this out and he's going to tell you why. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. <clears throat> There's a reason God, he said, I'm going to show you, you right over there, you. I want you to do this for me. In your little sphere, your little realm of life. <clears throat> that you should show forth. This is the church's job. The true church of Christ should be showing forth the praises of Almighty God to a lost and dark, gross dark, fallen world. America, at least. That's your job. It's what God has called you to do. That's why he has chosen you. Oh, yeah, and you too. You? <coughs> I'm going to need my voice, Lord. So this is the church's job. To proclaim the praises of him and what he has done. Such, such great things. Amen. That's your job. To proclaim that. To be an example. Just like all you that work in education probably wish there were fathers, true fathers in the home to be an example to the children. <clears throat> That's what God wants. The true church, the real church, handpicked by God to be an example to the fallen world. All my Christian life I've heard, well, if that's a Christian... Who's heard that? <clears throat> so I would say that's a failing grade. If I was a teacher, F. If that's what the world thinks. If the world says, I can't stand you because you're a goody two-shoes, that's an A. <clears throat> All right, so you have been handpicked by God to be an example to the fallen world. This is the church's job. That is your job. If you are truly redeemed by the blood of Almighty God, name written on the Lamb's book of life, that's your job. Handpicked. Now, because of the next scripture, because of this reason. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Now, because of what I've handpicked and chose you, he says, Wherefore, come out from among them. God is calling the church out because you are to be an example of what a father is 
So you are to come out from those who have shirked the duties of father. You are to be different. God says, come out from them. He wants you to be noticed no, to, the, to the world, to be seen by the world. A city on the hilltop, the light. <coughs> so wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Touch it, I won't receive you. It's not a suggestion. <clears throat> okay, look, we're talking true Christianity. Your goal is you want to work for God, right? And your other goal is you want to get to heaven. Okay, so this, I'm giving you truth. Remember that great saying, uh, you can't handle the truth. Well, I hope you can, because this is the truth. This is what you and I are supposed to be doing, because you and I are going to stand before Almighty God. We're not going to have time. We're not going to have vacation to go to. You're not going to have a car to worry about. You're not going to have a job to go to. You're not going to have children to take care of. You're just going to be standing before Almighty God who handpicked you. <clears throat> so this is not a suggestion. It's a command. Be ye separate. Okay? Uh, Pastor Jason mentioned about a Tozer book. Well, we've both been reading it. Um, it's an excellent book. And he, in this book, makes this statement as we have forgotten what New Testament Christianity is. We have. We have forgotten what it is. You think you know what it is, and so do I, but I think we've forgotten. Remember a long time ago, I preached a message on ice cream. I don't know how many were here anymore. Church changes so much anymore. Go and you pick out an ice cream. Remember, it has got ingredients, stuff you can't say, 15 letters in each and they call that ice cream, right? How come you just can't pick up a box and it says milk ice cream? Got all these things. Remember I told you, and I ate all those stuffed and 99-cent chocolate thing forever. Remember I told you, I finally had something, this is a long time ago, went out and bought real ice cream and couldn't stand it. But, and it says this is real, 100% pure, and I'm going, give me the... Because my taste was ruined, and I thought I was having ice cream. Like the McDonald's shakes, remember? So we have been bamboozled. We have. I've always said this. I've said it to you. I still believe it, <clears throat> that I have been born again. I have. really have. I'm amazed at what God has done. But I also believe I've been born again into a born again dying movement. I don't see the fire and the spit anymore in the house of God and the glory. I, I just don't, I don't know what we're doing. We're making that which is wonderful common. Amen. Totally common. So I am laying this out. I usually have three pages of notes. Well, I blew that out of the water. I got eight. Eight pages of notes. You have no church tonight. I am. So, Ben, just grin and bear it. 
I'm serious. So we have forgotten what New Testament Christianity is, and we need to get it back. We must get it back. Our nation is just like our fatherless homes. They're about ruined. So is our nation. Okay, until a father steps up and puts that home in order, it's not going to be in order. The mother will try. She's going to lose her authority after a while as the little ones start doing this. And that's what's happened to our nation. All right, so here we go. Nehemiah says this in 13, verse 1. On the same day as the book of Moses was being read, the people found a statement which said that no Amorite or Moabite should ever be permitted to enter the assembly of God. This is like, wow. Verse 2, as they're reading this, For they had not been friendly to the Israelites when they left Egypt, which is a type of the world. Instead, they hired Balaam to curse them, though our God turned a curse into a blessing, which he has. Verse 3 says, When this law was read, and that's what I'm doing now, I'm reading the word of God. That's what they were doing back then. All those of mixed ancestry were immediately expelled from the assembly. <coughs> All those who were not like-minded <coughs> believed and thought like the word of God. <coughs> Out. Does not the Bible tell you what fellowship has? There is no fellowship. There is no fellowship. If it was dark enough, <coughs> really dark, and I turned all the lights off, total darkness, there's no light. Light gone. If I say turn the lights on all at once, what's darkness do? It's gone. So there's no fellowship. So if you are fellowshipping with mixed, with darkness, you're tricking yourself if you think you're light. God says there is none. And you have to believe God over your feelings or what you think. On the same days, they read this book. They found out they have mixed. They were, they're all mixed up. They're all messed up. And to me, the church has become mixed. We are so mixed with the world. The world doesn't even pay any attention to us anymore. We look like the world. They have trot them half-dressed people down red carpets because they sing. So the Christian people do it too. They just call it Dove Awards. We look like them. We act like them. So it's mixed. It's total mixed. So what are we giving off to the fallen world? What are we giving off to our nation, our country, as people of God? So this mixed multitude, this refers to those who want to associate or be associated with the Israelites. <clears throat> but they didn't want to count the cost or make the full commitment. <clears throat> All through my 40-some years and 30 years of pastoring here, I have found out and met more people that come here that I didn't know they did. Yep. You do? Yeah, I go to New Hope. Where do you go? Uh, I pastor New Hope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the truth. It's so funny, but it's the truth. Now, some folks, I believe, their, their salvation is nothing, like a, nothing more than a business agreement with Christ. You just sign on a dotted line. There. I'm saved. <coughs> All this is wrong. Amen. This has nothing to do with New Testament Christianity. Nothing whatsoever. The Bible says in the last days, right will become wrong. 
and wrong will become right. We're living in that, even in the religious world. Most of what you see concerning has the flavor of religious is wrong, but it's become right. What I'm doing now, I don't know, might be the only one in America, or maybe there's 10 pastors in all of America are going to tell you the truth. Maybe not. Hopefully it's not that bad. So here we go in Hosea 7. Here's another one. This is going to be a type. Ephraim is a type of the church. <clears throat> Ephraim. He hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers, which is the world, have devoured, devoured his strength. The world has devoured our strength. We've lost our clout. We've lost our authority. When uh, the nation's going to do something horrific and some dumb law, they don't even look at us for advice. They don't even talk to us about it. There's no Billy Grahams. Ain't no one like that being invited. What? <clears throat> Strangers have devoured his strength, and he knoweth it not. The church doesn't know it. They've got gray hairs, meaning they've lost their strength. They're old, and they don't know it. We don't know it. I'm not going to stand before Almighty God and Him bring His holy finger in my face and said, You never told them. <coughs> not me. I'm already scared to go in front of Him. Because if you teach the word, greater judgment is on those. So I'm already shaken. <coughs> Sorry about this cough. I don't know where does this come from. <clears throat> so strangers have devoured the strength, and he doesn't know it. Gray hairs are upon the head of the church. They don't know it. Verse 11 goes on and says, Ephraim, which is a type of the church, also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt. The world. They go to Assyria. All types of the world. Ephraim, it says, is a cake not turned. Or a piece of bread, a loaf of bread. A cake burnt on one side and unbaked on the other. It's so unedible. And it's an image of the worthlessness of Ephraim. Or the church can become worthless. Now I know what kind of picture I'm painting. Believe me. Silly dove. That's a bird that says well known for its simplicity. Easily deceived. Also without heart. Now a lot of you have been athletes. A lot of you watch sports. <clears throat> a lot of you played it. There has been some fantastic people that I have watched sports. Unbelievably gifted and talented. But didn't make it. Because they didn't have the heart. They didn't have the heart to do it. Tremendous draft choices I've seen through the years. Football, this and that. This guy's going to be awesome. He never even made the team. No heart. Man, I don't want to stand before the Lord and say, you thought all this time, but you never made the team. So there's no longing for God, no urgency for his presence. And this book I've been reading about Tozer just blew me away. This one page, I still have it. Page 25. <clears throat> and he goes on and says he makes this statement it's absolutely useless for a large company of believers 
to spend long hours begging God to send revival. <coughs> Unless we intend to reform, we may as well not pray. Amen. How about that from the pulpit? Unless praying men have the insight and faith to amend their whole way of life to conform to the New Testament pattern, there is not coming no revival. Amen. God ain't going to bless something he hasn't ordained. Right. He isn't. If we live this way, and God told us to live this way, and we're saying God words, he's not going to bless that. Amen. He's not. And he hasn't. God's looking for a church that wants to be different. So unless we intend to reform, eh, we might as well quit streaming on Wednesday. Prayer. And here's why. I'm going to prove it to you. You remember the defeat of Ai? If you know the word, Joshua, Ai was just another little town that they could easily push over the people of Israel as they were marching through the land claiming it for God which is what we're supposed to be doing and then there was AI it was so insignificant that they met and said man we hardly need anybody to take that town just go up there and flick it to the side okay it was with Joshua and the people of God in AI here's the story Joshua sent men from Jericho to AI <clears throat> which is beside Beth Haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto the saying, Go up, view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither. For there are but a few. It's a simple victory, piece of cake victory. Send a couple thousand. Okay, sounds good. Verse 4, so there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men, and these 3,000 men end up fleeing and running for their lives in front of the people of Ai. Okay? So an unbelievable defeat. And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate. So these guys are running all over the place and are killing them. Wherefore, because of this, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. The church. They're going, God, let us down. We're just trying to do work for God. 36 people. Now, that might seem insignificant, but what if you were uh, one of the 36 wives? Or mother of the children? <clears throat> Joshua, the leader, rent his clothes like a good leader should type of grief, rent his coat, fell on the earth, his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel put dust upon their heads. So he had this tremendous piece of cake, this tremendous defeat. They're running for their lives. 36 people drop dead. The leader finds out, rents his clothes, falls on his face, and he's wailing for our God, Lord. And maybe the people of Israel are going, it'll be all right now. Our leader's praying. He's seeking God. He'll hear from God. That's what you want, right? That's what you would think should be going on. So let's go and see what happens. So verse 7. 
And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan? So Joshua has given God an earful, delivered us into the hand of Amorites to destroy us. Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. This is what Joshua, the leader, is saying to God. Why'd you do this? There are 36 good souls, good people just trying to do your work. <clears throat> Verse 8, then Joshua goes on this. How about this? I've said this before. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it. They shall surround us and cut off your name from the earth. And I'll say, Lord, here it goes, another defeat. Another pastor has fallen, another person, another marriage. What are we going to tell people? Another black eye for God. Another situation. I can't believe it. Right? I don't know if you, that's what I would have done. I have done. All the enemies are going to hear it. So here comes God's answer. He probably jumped ahead. But, and the Lord said unto Joshua, get up. Hallelujah. Stop praying and get up. That's what God said. Could God be telling us? And the Lord said unto Joshua, get thee up. Wherefore, or why are you liest upon thus upon thy face? Get up! Hallelujah. Israel hath sinned. Oh. And they have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have been taken, they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled, which means lied. Lied also. We haven't taken it, no. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Get up! Stop praying! Am I making that up? It's on the screens. It should be on your lap. Therefore, verse 12, here's our problem. The children of Israel could not stand before their enemy, but turned their backs before their enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed thing. God says, no, buddy, not only get up, I'm done with you unless you start walking the way I said walk. Amen. That's the plumb line. If you are out of plumb this morning, you better get in plumb. Amen. You can pray all you want, and God's not in it. God's saying two words to you. Get up. Hallelujah. Get up and do something about the sin. Absolutely. See, we have dummied down everything. Yeah. All the education things, everybody's dummied down everything. We've dummied down the gospel. God's not in it. He's not in it. Okay. Again, verse 13, God says, get up. Up. Sanctify the people. You know what that means? Set them apart. Start telling them, I have chosen them. They're a royal priesthood. I want to bless them. I want to fill with my Holy, Holy Spirit. Amen. And this is how you should walk. Get up. Quit talking to me like that. And clean up the house. 
of God. And then stuff will happen. That's where we're at. Church of America. Overseas, they have gotten up a long time ago. They've done their, they outshine us so much. Verse 13, up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thy enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. That's what God's saying. If you are living contrary to the word of God, that needs to be removed. Amen. It does. It does. And then God says, then, then I'll be with you. Man, that should make you run home and say, God, what? What do you want me to get rid of? Anything for you, Lord. Anything. Whatever it is. Part of this message came to me at the car wash. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Everybody's in line. Filthy cars. <clears throat> Romans tells us this. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your car is filthy. I don't think we understand that as American Christians. I think we get offended by it. <clears throat> I don't think it's been preached hardly at all of what we really are without God. I just don't. So therefore, we kind of think, eh, I'm not too bad. I haven't murdered anybody. <clears throat> Heard that a lot in my life. So before your car can be absolutely clean and take it to the car wash, you must realize it's filthy. Amen. Or you won't take it. It's crazy how we don't see. And I could be walking to my car, and Ruth will be going, when are you going to get that car? It's filthy. And I'd go, oh, yeah, it is. <clears throat> so here's how filthy we are. Romans 3 tells us, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Yeah. Okay? That doesn't leave out you. That doesn't leave out your little baby. It doesn't. It doesn't. Where's Tamara? Raise your hand, Tamara. Where's Heather? All our expecting mamas. That's the baby inside of them. That's what that means. <gasps> no, it's what it means. This is the word of God. Amen. All. There's none that understand. There's none that seeketh after God. This is what overall opinion of the people, flesh, that dwell on the earth. But we're talking about America. They're all gone out of the way. They altogether become unprofitable. There's none that do as good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. You believe the word? You believe this? Okay, you, you know how much I like baked beans. <laughs> I don't even like them to be included in the mail. I, I mean, if you invite me to your house, don't have baked beans. 
Not only do I not eat them, I don't want them near me. I don't want to smell them. I don't want them. I just don't want. Ruth Don's baked beans. It's like <laughs> this is baked beans to me. When I said, "Oh man, Lord, their feet are swift to shed blood." Oh God, I can't take it. That's what we are. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but my dad would take his belt off. And he'd give it to me. And I had fear of God when he came home. Before he came home, before judgment... I was a fool until he came and then the fear struck me. Fear of God before your eyes is a good thing. Absolutely good thing. Isaiah said this about us. But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousness, things that you try to do right, are as filthy rags. This is all without God. This is how you are. And we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away and there is none that calleth upon the name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For hast hid thy face from us, hath consumed us because of our iniquities. Which that Jerry Nadler, the representative, says, there's no room for God here. It's scripture written behind his head. That's how far we've fallen. And they don't know how filthy the car is. And we've lost our strength because we mingle with it. And we don't even know we have gray hair we're weak. Amen. We call it church. And those outside the church are saying, well, if that's church, that's Christianity. I'm only part of it. Isaiah 6, 5 says, Then said I, woe is me. Here's what Isaiah the prophet said. For I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When you see a true picture of Christ, and a true picture of who you are, you don't go, Jesus, high five! You hit the deck! How filthy we are and how holy He is. King David screamed in Psalm 22, I'm a worm! That's what he thought about himself. Galatians tells us this, your human nature that you were born with, that our little blessed mamas, their children are being formed in the secrets of the human nature. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, which are adultery, Sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustfulness, idolatry, sorcery. Doesn't this make you want to go, stop, stop? It does me. Hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, competition, divisions, heresies, enough. But the word of God is not done. Envying, murders, drunkenness, orgies. That's what's in us. And things like these, 
Where Paul's saying to the Galatians, for which I forewarn you, even also forewarn you now. Those of you who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> will not. So you must realize your car needs cleaned. You must. Secondly, in the car wash, you must give total control of your car to the car wash attendee, right? Get out! Your car's running, keys are in it. You pay umpteen how much money for it? Get out! Paul said, 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and word of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He wrote over half the New Testament. And he's chief sinner. He knew. He knew who he was. Didn't Peter say, oh, <laughs> not my feet only, everything. Peter knew. Jeremiah said, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise, go down to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. I'm hoping, truly hoping that the Spirit of God caused you to hear my words. Because I know about lots of words, lots of songs, lots of whatever. If the anointing's not there and God doesn't hear it, you're not hearing. He says, arise, go down to the potter's house. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again. That's what we need. Our vessel was marred. Our idea of church is marred. Our New Testament Christianity thinking is marred. You want me to make a new one? Or do you want God to make it? So the Lord says, so he made another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, O new hope, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord. Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. That's not an awful place to be. That's a wonderful place to be in the hand of Almighty God. Because he loves you and dares you so much. And he goes, you're marred. What are you doing? you got to let them. We have to let them. So mold me and shape me. Make me as thou wilt. Like that song. Lord, we need to be new wine. Make me your vessel. Thirdly, the car attendant. Car attendants start on the inside of the car. Getting the trash out and the dirty mats. Old french fries. Old pop of can of pop or all the junk that you have, the crumbs that fall, things you go, oh, I've been looking for that. Sometimes they'll put them in a cup holder if it looks valuable. you got to get out, and the attendees who clean start on the inside. Now I'll give you the picture of the new gospel, American gospel. Pull up with a filthy car, and there's the row. They're ripping out car mats, very that, they're taking them over to that thing, you ever see them, they go, mm -hmm. 
You want God to do that to you? So what do we do? We go over into this lane over here. Right? I do. <laughs> it's the express lane. I don't even have to get out. So when I go through church, man, I look, I look clean, spit shine, but don't look in the inside. I just had the outside done. It was cheaper. Faster. Want me to hurry up? Now, Mark 7 says this, And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning this parable. And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whosoever, whatsoever thing from within entereth the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, but goeth out in the draught, purging all meats? And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from... <clears throat> For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders. Here we go again. Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceitful, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blaspheme, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And they defile us. Oh, just a, just. And I go ahead of everybody. And I kind of like, <laughs> have you ever, who's done that? Who goes to the fast part? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's kind of cool, right? They're all lined up. They're going to get inside and outside scrubbed. You both come out of church, you look pretty good. Joel 2 says this, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your hearts, and with fasting and weeping and with mourning. <clears throat> Rend your hearts, not your garments. Remember? Joshua rending his heart, falling on his face, God says, or his garments, God said, I want you to rend your hearts this morning. Not your garment. Chronicles 29 15 it says and they gathered their brother and sanctified themselves came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord that's what I hope you do starting today because we got to be different we got to be different Amen. for the sake of our country and the priest went into the inner part are you not a royal priesthood I read it right so you have to ask God God what do you want me to clean he is supposed to be your Lord, right? All through you say, yes, Lord. He's your Lord. He says, okay, get up. Clean this up. This, don't wear that anymore. Don't act like that. Don't watch this anymore. Don't talk like that. I'm telling God, not me. Don't come to me and give you a list. Amen. Almighty and you. Sanctify the house. God says, I want it cleaned. I want it cleaned up. And then I will receive you unto myself. And God says, then I will show up and come. Man, when Ruth and I were first saved, we went through our home throwing all kind of stuff out. We did. 
She's throwing clothes out, and I'm going, oh, I like that on you. She's just throwing <laughs> the truth. Records, the back when records. Booze. I remember saying, Ruth never got into drinking. I remember saying, this is expensive. I'll give it to my dad. I'm getting rid of it. That lasted about a day, and I went, ooh, that's stupid. Down the drain. Because it wasn't edifying. It wasn't pleasing to God. And I felt, Lord, man, we were Italians. That's all we did. God is, clean up! Get up! Get it out! The music, the dress, the overall how we ego or acted. Get up. Get rid of that. Italian's not on the back. It's Christian. It's my name. It's Lord. So, the cleaning up, it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long. Even after years of being ridiculous as a church in our country, it won't take long. Look, verse 17 says, Now the beginning on the first day, now they began on the first day of the first month to sanctify, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the porch of the Lord, so they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. Jeepers. If you took this serious, by the time you come back, to hear Pastor Jason be some tremendous cleaning going on. You can stay and pray all you want. And God is saying, get up. Clean it out. And then what's the cool thing the attendant tells you? If you dare to have them clean inside and out, what do they say to you? Uh... What kind of fragrance you want? And I usually say, oh, new car. <laughs> Isn't that what God does? Does he make you a new yeah. car? If you let him? If you go through the... <laughs> and all them guys all over pulling them, tearing this out and taking that out and wiping this and cleaning that and finding old fries and old cups. and yep. You go through that? And then the fragrance. New car. Ezekiel eleven eighteen says this, And they shall come thither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof, and all the abominations thereof from thence, and I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. Do it, Lord, do it. Do it here. I can't do it. You got to do it. Psalms 92.10 says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. But what lane, what lane you going in? Altar calls coming. Car washes coming. What lane you going in? We, we got soccer at 12. You're going long. What lane you going in? I had kids. They had ball on Sunday. I go look for the coach. And we ain't being here at 12. 
Ezekiel 36, 26. Here it comes again. A new heart also will I give you. Man, do we need that. And a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of our flesh. A new heart, a new mind, a new will, a new purpose, a new drive, a new hunger, a new thirst. Fourthly, the car goes through the cleaning process. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you, John says. Oh, sweet, we're doing good. Clean. So the Spirit of God doing his cleansing and wiping today. I'm just reading the scriptures, asking the Lord, please say something, do something through me. We get to this point, if you've truly been paying attention and, and really agreeing with the word, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Malachi says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple. You'll have a new outlook. You'll see the word clearer. Scriptures will come back to you fresher, newer, more powerful. It will. Verse 2 says, I need to ban. Please, Rod and your Judah. I need Judah to help me. Verse 2 says this, But who may abide in the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like refiner's fire and fuller's soap. I'm sure all of you took shower this morning. I'd be surprised if anybody used fuller soap. It's kind of rough. Do they still make that stuff? Fuller soap, kind of rough and gritty. And, I mean, because it really like rips apart your skin to get down to the dirt. Right? Not me, man. I used Iris Spring. <laughs> the Word of God's like fuller soap. I know I'm rubbing you hard. Hopefully, uh, a million years from now, we bump into each other in heaven. You'll say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Instead of God saying to me, why didn't you tell them? I said, oh, my gosh. I'm seriously, I can't handle that. God sits as the refiner of fire and purifier of silver. Needs more heat. Remember, and they wipe the dross off the top because that's all we are, filthy. Righteousness is filthy. Our good deeds are filthy. I've read what comes out of our mouths all the time, what's in our heart. No good in us, the Bible says. He shall sit as the refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, that's the church, purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. And that's what we want to do here in a little bit. Make me an offering. God's not going to be like this, okay. No, no. Verse 4 says, Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. Listen, the Lord is a cleansing force. Yeah. 
It's a cleansing force. It condemns sin. It inspires holiness. It promotes growth. It reveals power and victory when you need it. So you have to say, Lord, make me an offering. Bring new wine. Psalms 51.7, David says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. The song starts with crushing and pressing. Will you let them? It's like the car mats going into that agitated thing. Can I have that picture? Uh, we did send it to you, right? Please. Isaiah says this, Thus saith the Lord, As the new wine is found in the cluster. The cluster is the church. The cluster is everything that God is saying. Take it away. I would be heart sick if I didn't find this scripture because it gives me hope. As the new wine is found in the cluster and one says, do not destroy it for a blessing is in it. So will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all. The grapes of the American church and most of it is useless. We don't teach the true word of God. We serve up junk food for most people. But God says there's a few good grapes inside that cluster and I will not destroy it. Listen, listen, please. New hope. Are we going to be one of those grapes in that cluster? Do you want to be your new hope? Despite the unholy rebellion the church does, the pride of some of its people, God still has servants. He still wants to bless and restore. Inside, people look at the church and go, for Pete's sakes. I've had people tell me to my face, I'm done! Not with God, with the church. And they even said to me, what about you? I said, nah, I'm going to take my cuts. The idea here is God finds good grapes among the current cluster of his people. For the sake of these, God says, my servants, the Lord says, I can give a blessing and restoration, a reformation to the house of God, which is you. A blessing is in it. That word blessing means a divine gift or present is in this. Even though I'm laying it on heavy, there's a blessing in it. Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? 
I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. A new thing means an unprecedented, a refreshing. Oh man, we need to be new wine, God. Isaiah 42, 9 says, Behold, the former things are come to pass. New things do I declare before they spring forth. I'm telling you of them. I'm telling you of them. In a minute, you get a chance to run to the car wash. Don't you even dare let your flesh pull you over into that quick line. Pastor Jason brought this out last week, and it is true. I remember stumbling across this scripture 20 years ago. Ask for the old paths. It says path, not paths. And I'm going to tell you what the old paths are. I'll give you some of them. And I want you to stand because I don't want you to get sidetracked. Because we're going to open the car wash. Here's some of what the old paths are. And here's some of what New Testament Christianity is. And for some of you, it might be a learning experience. I remember back then, some of you, it'll be a reminder. Some of you might be a turnoff. Mm. Number one, separation. New Testament Christianity, separation. Obedience. What God expects. Your earthly father, did you take the garbage out? He expects obedience. Humility. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Simplicity. Paul says, I fear you left it. Simply just want to love you, Lord. Gravity. Sober seriousness. Take this serious. Self control. No, I will not. Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife. She ripped his coat off. He took off. Self control. How do you think the world would react to Joseph today? You did what? That woman wanted you to do what? You ran? Are you crazy? You think they'd talk more about that or talk more about that he had an affair? Everybody's having. No, the one that he ran, he flee, he ran, he obeyed God. That's odd. That's peculiar. God's going, that's mine. Modesty. Oh, yeah. Both of us stand before a mirror. Modesty. Oh, yeah. I used to think I was a macho Italian bad person. When I got saved, a lot of those Italian music went out. Sometimes I'll play them again because it makes me think of my family. If I play too much, I still feel the finger of God. It's enough. Enough. 
modesty, dress, talk, look, ego, cross-bearing, dying daily. This is New Testament Christianity. Separation, obedience, humility, simplicity, gravity, self-control, modesty, cross-bearing. These all must be a part of the American church. And that's what God is saying, Joshua, get up! Clean up the house of God and get back to what I've told you to. And he says, when you do, I will come. going to sing that song one more time. This is your chance to run to the car wash. Don't worry what they're going to do, how fast they're going to play. You want to come? Come now. Quick. Hurry. Hurry. The attendees are here. Which lane are you getting in? I know I'm putting you on the spot. That's all right. Which lane are you in? Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? Why do you wear what you wear? Lord. Find a place. Find that lane. Let them dig under the seats. Let them pull out all your car mats. Let them look in the glove box. Open the trunk. In the pressing 